Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. Good, I was just asking. All right, here we go. <laughs> write this down, write this down on your on your notes. Um, let me see your eyes. Can you write that down? Let me see your eyes. Let me see your eyes. Let me see your eyes. Amen. Hopefully, how many married people we got in here? Yeah. Right, I'm not gonna say anything. Mm. Hallelujah. Let me see your eyes. Let me see your eyes. All right, let's 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 get into it this way. As we get into this, my daughter, kind of want to build this up a little bit. My daughter has this new thing that she does. And, and when she does it, it really blesses my heart. But it really touched my heart last week when she did it. And I felt like last week when she did it in my car, and um, I felt like, um, like God was saying something through her. That I paused there for a moment and I, and I wrote it down while she was in my car. I wrote down, let me see. The way she says it is, she says, let me see eyes. She's still working on the phonics, and she's still working on the proper wordage, but, but that's, that's pretty good for a three-year-old. Let me see your eyes. And she says, let me see eyes. Dada, let me see eyes. And, and she has this new thing that she does that whenever I'm wearing my sunglasses and something happens and I'm wearing my sunglasses, maybe I'm telling her, stop, Jade. Her, my daughter is three years old. Her name is Jade. And I say, stop, Jade. You need to stop right now. And I get, I get down at her level or she's right next to me and I said you need to stop do you understand do you hear data you need to stop right now and she tries to grab my face and she says let me see eyes right she does that sometimes we're goofing and we're fighting and we're wrestling because Jackson loves to do that and she gets involved and we're wrestling and we're fighting and we're doing all these things and she sees that sometimes I could get a little bit more tougher or whatever and, and she says data let me see eyes and she asks to see my eyes sometimes sometimes she's, saying, she's acting funny and I'm laughing at her and I'm wearing my sunglasses sometimes and she tends to say, Dada, let me see eyes. And she wants me to go like that. And when she sees my eyes, she smiles and she says, oh, okay. And she, she always says something funny. Or, but I thought it's the most beautiful thing. I'm like, man, my daughter keeps asking to see my eyes. Especially when I wear sunglasses and something happens. And, I, and, I, and it started to hit me. I said, you know, she wants to see if I'm plain. She wants to read my eyes. She wants to see if I'm mad. She can't see it because there's a block with the sunglasses. It's blocking her from understanding whether I'm serious or if I'm happy, if I'm joking or, if, or, or, or what. Or if I'm, she wants to know, like, what, what is daddy really feeling right now? So let me see eyes. And she asks me to move my sunglasses. And I think that's so beautiful and I think it's powerful. She sees something in her father. Listen to this. She sees something in her father that assures her of the current situation. Like, what's going on right now? Like, am I going to get spanked? Forgive me if you don't believe in spanking children and all that. But whatever, what's going on right now? Am I going to get, like, spanked time out? Am I going to get time out? Or, like, is he just joking? Dad, let me see eyes. I want to see, like, is there a sparkle there or is there, like, is there, like, this intensity? And she asks that. Anyone, anyone, any parent here deals with that like that? It's, it's, so, it's such an interesting thing. And I think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful. And when she did it last week, again, it's not like the first time she did it. I wrote it down and I said, man, God, I know you're saying something about this and, and Lord, speak to my heart. And I started praying about this phrase, let me see eyes. And I think it's beautiful, I really do, for a child, for a child to know their father's eyes and what it may be communicating. Can I say that again? I think it's beautiful that a child desires to see the eyes of their father. 
because it helps that child to see what their father is communicating. And you know what's special about that? It shows them what their father's communicating even when there's no voice communicating. When there's no voice communicating, when just the eyes are speaking. And, and, and it really struck me and it really touched my heart. Through the eyes, through the eyes, we can see, you should write this down in your notes. Because I really believe this and we're going to get into some scripture to see this and some thoughts. This might grow, grow from here. It might stop right here on this Sunday. But you know how it works with this family. But... Through the eyes, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. We're going to get scripture in a moment. But through the eyes, we can see the condition of the soul. You've ever ministered to someone, you stared at them in the eyes? And you could just discern the condition of their soul. You could see where their heart is at. You could look at someone's eyes and, and, and you could see joy at times. Sometimes you look at someone's eyes like your eyes are filled with joy. You can look at someone's eyes and you'll see sadness. You'll see whether they're empty or whether that individual is full. You can see fear. And you can even look at someone's eyes and you can see if they have compassion over whatever's going on, the circumstance, whatever you guys are speaking about. Shakespeare, I don't know exactly which, I'm not a Shakespearean scholar or none of that. But Shakespeare one time wrote in one of his Shakespearean plays or whatnot, or one of his writings, he wrote down, the eyes are the mirror of the soul. We've all heard that? The eyes are the window of the soul, the mirror, the windows of the soul. And I'm going to get back to that for a moment because uh, there's a reason why he said that, I believe, but whatever. You know, Shakespeare once used that phrase, and, and I thought about that. I said, man, we could learn so much about looking at people in the eyes. Sometimes you don't have to say a word. Sometimes you don't have to say a word. Sometimes you just stay quiet, but by looking at someone in the eyes, you don't, you could, you could speak clearly what you're feeling. By looking at someone in the eyes, you could, you could, you could kind of give off exactly what you wanna come, how you want to come across and what it is that you're trying to say. Uh, you don't have to say a word. All we have to do at times is just look at someone's eyes and say, like, yeah, they're mad. Or, yeah, they mean business. Or, and sometimes there is no words. The eyes alone say it. Our, our pupils themselves, our pupils are part of a are part of our body language. did some studying here for a moment. And, and it said that the pupil dilates, dilates when, when we are interested in the person that we're talking to. That's very scary to know that, right? It says it dilates when, when it's interested in the people we're talking to or maybe at the object we're looking at. Supposedly, if you're very interested in the conversation and the person that you're talking to, your pupils dilate. If you see something that you like, your pupils dilate. And, and, and I think it's so interesting that when you're speaking to a friend about something, all you have to do is look into their eyes. Look closely. Try to look for their, for their pupils there. And if you look into their eyes, if they're interested, you'll see that their eyes are dilated. But then for fun, just go ahead and change the topic on them. And begin to speak about something that they begin to lose interest in. And you could begin to see their pupils maybe shrink back and contract and stuff like that. Like, okay, I lost them here, you know. And just mess with them. You don't care what I'm saying, do you? No, I do. You know, I love you. And you say, your pupils just shrank. Just mess with them. We're going to have freaky people now at church. Talk to me. And you all, you all, I could see all of you now after service ends. You're all going to lean in on each other. I'm just staring at your eyes. I want to see if you're dilated or not. But men, women, that's a good thing. When you lay next to the honey again, just look at them in the eyes. Check it out. Hopefully it's still dilating. Hey, man, let's get into this stuff. <laughs> I don't like what I'm looking at. All right, so eyes. Everyone say eyes. Let me see your eyes. Or in the, you know, my, my daughter was prayed for that she would be a, 
a prophet to the people. They prayed specifically. There should be like a Deborah. So I'm keeping that. So, so like the, the, the prophetess Jade said, let me see eyes. I quote my prophetess daughter there. But every culture is different. Every culture is different. In our culture, we teach to look people in the eyes, right? Look at them in the eyes. Look at them in the eyes. When you're in a meeting, you need to look at people in the eyes. Every culture is different, though. But, but when we talk to people, that's what we teach. That's what we want to do. It shows them that what? That we're listening. It shows them that we're interested. It shows them that we're respectful. We even touch young children that when someone says hi to them, to look at them and say what? Hello back to them. I'm constantly doing that with my children, specifically my son. Look at them and say hi to them. Say hello back to them. It's out of respect. Look at them in the eyes. And sometimes we could use our eyes, you know, um, how can I say this? We could use our eyes too much. Sometimes it could get us into trouble. Eyes are a good thing, but everything that, is, that God gives us for good could be used and we could uh, misuse it and turn it into bad. Sometimes we could use our eyes too much and it gets us into trouble. It could lead what? Our eyes then could lead us to our thoughts that begin to affect our heart. And then it could lead to actions that could affect the physical life circumstance of what's happening. It started with the eyes, it led to the heart, began with the, and then it started continuing with the thoughts, and then from there it birthed out actions. Someone just doesn't act it out. That stuff was thought about before it acted out. And before that stuff was thought about, it was looked at. There's a process that goes into this. Sometimes we use our eyes for different things. Sometimes we use our eyes to stare and to intimidate. How many of you do that at times? You just stare and intimidate. No one? Good. My brother raised his hand, so I won't say what the next thing I was going to say. I was going to say something mean, but I don't want you to get offended with me. But, but some of you guys just stare and intimidate. You know, you just sit there. We do that a lot maybe with kids, you know. And we clinch. Or we do that with our dogs because you have to show who's the alpha. And you're not supposed to look away. I don't, I don't have a dog, but that's what I hear. But sometimes you use our eyes to, to stare down and intimidate. Sometimes you use our eyes to stare down to show someone that what? You got their attention. They got your attention and you want their attention. When Nancy used to walk in front of my second grade classroom, I used to just stare her down. Because she got my attention. And, I wanted, and then her friend started to tell her, you know, that second grade teacher over there, I think he likes you. And I want her to know, I want your attention. Amen. Can I get an amen? The Lord gave us an eye. <clears throat> and we're married today. And that's how it is. <clears throat> the eyes. If you want to know what someone is thinking or feeling, it says you speak to someone and if they're looking to the left, that means that they're, th that they're thinking and they're trying to remember something. If you're speaking to someone, they're constantly looking to the left, which would be your right. That means, hmm, this person's thinking about whatever it is that we're talking about. But if they're constantly looking to the right, to the right, to the right, um, they're actually, it says they're digging into their creativity. And part of them digging to their creativity or their creative thoughts, it means because they're planning something out. They're trying to be creative um, in deceit in what they're trying to say. And they're trying to create their own version of what they're trying to tell you. So if you see, sorry, some of you guys are messing you all up. You're like, dang, man, you know, but whatever. So sometimes when they're looking that way, it means, hey, they might not be necessarily telling the truth. Eyes are, why am I saying all this? Eyes are a powerful instrument in body language. Amen. Eyes are a powerful instrument. They're powerful instruments in our body language. Someone once wrote this. I'm not sure if it will be up there, but they wrote this. It says, the soul, fortunately, sorry, I don't know who wrote it, but someone wrote it. The soul, fortunately, has an interpreter. 
often an unconscious, but still a faithful interpreter. Guess we don't have it. It says it's in the eye. The soul, fortunately, has an interpreter, an unconscious, but still it's a faithful interpreter in the eye. And the eye sometimes will interpret really what's happening in here, in the soul. You know, the eyes, when you think about the eyes, the eyes is what got us humans in trouble. The eyes got humanity in trouble. It's what invited sin to dwell in the heart of man. If you're taking notes, Genesis chapter 3, 6, it says that Eve, when the woman saw, everyone say saw. Yeah. When she saw with her eyes that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes. Another translation says desirable to the eyes. And the tree desirable to make one wise. It says, she took of its fruit and she ate. But I want you to recognize where it began. The woman saw the tree and it was pleasant and it was desirable to the eyes. What do I mean? That at that moment, the eyes spoke something to her that were much more heavier than what the word of God spoke to her. God said, don't even get close to that tree. But the eyes said, man, that stuff looks desirable. So she went towards what her eyes made her say, said and felt compared to what God commanded and asked to walk in obedience in. Did you guys understand that? And it started with her seeing with her eyes. It began with a look. Your, some of your troubles, listen, listen, listen. Some of your troubles that you got yourself into, it started with your eyes. Some of the troubles that you're going to get yourself into, it started with your eyes. You know, sometimes I sit next to in front of the person, and I just don't know how I got into this mess. No, you know very well how you got yourself into the mess. Maybe you didn't do anything. Maybe you didn't say anything. But your eyes were wandering for a long time, and your eyes got you in trouble. Sometimes it just begins in the eyes. But the horses are wild. So when they go to race the horse, they say, we can't just let them race because their eyes are not in the front. Their eyes are on their side. So they see everything that's happening over here. So when you have people cheering and waving things and you got other horses, that horse without blinders is going to go, oh, what's happening over here? I want to check this out. So what they have to do is they have to put blinders so that the horse doesn't see what's going on in their side, but that the horse could only see what's in front. And you think, man, you think that humans would get it, right? You think that we would get it, that we would be smarter than horses, you know, like, okay, we got blinders on, and the blinders are for a purpose, and I think that the Holy Spirit should be that. Why do we continue to feed into the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit to begin to take growth into our life? Because if you continue to feed your flesh, you're removing blinders, but if you continue to feed the Spirit, you leave the Holy Spirit on, which is the blinder of the eyes, which what? Enrich the soul. It starts in your eye. Come here, come here, come here, come here, lean in, lean in, lean in. Let me see eyes. Let me see your eyes because what I want to do is I want to see today if your eyes are just wondering, oh, what's happening over here? Get on track. Forget about what's on the left and forget what's on the right. The Bible even says something very powerful. It says that he who, what, who has his hand on the plow but looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. What is scripture saying? Keep looking forward. Keep going straight. Keep the eye focused. Anyone as excited as me? Let me see your eyes. Look at the person next to you and say, let me see your eyes. Look back over here. Look back over here. How uncomfortable was that? I know it was uncomfortable for some of you because I saw some of you turn to the person you wanted to say it to. And that person should have turned to you. 
and immediately they turn to the other person. <laughs> They're like, I'm not going to that person. It's <laughs> not happening. Let me see your eyes. Let me see your eyes because it starts there in the eyes, the eyes, the eyes. I know what scripture says in Proverbs 4.23. It says what? To keep and to guard your heart with all diligence. But I tell you this, just as important, guard your eyes. Are you with me? Yeah, guard your heart with all diligence. But I will also say guard your heart, um, guard your eyes. I know in 1 Peter 5, uh, verses 8 and 9, if you take notes, in 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, when Peter writes this, such a powerful scripture, to be sober, to be watchful. Everyone say watchful. Yeah, guess what he's talking about there? Eyes. To be sober, to be watchful. What does he say? The devil, our adversary, walks around like a roaring lion. He's roaming like a roaring lion. And he says what? Be sober-minded, be watchful. Everyone say be watchful. Be watchful. We should be watching with our physical eyes. I want, I want to get into some stuff here for a moment. Check this out. We need to be watchful with our physical eyes. We need to be watchful with our physical eyes. <laughs> Why? Because some things are obvious and common sense that our eyes will catch. You know, you guys that are praying for this sermon and I need, just need greater wisdom in this sermon. Half the things that are happening to you are common sense and you don't even need w deeper wisdom in this sermon for some of those things. Some of those things are if you just open up your physical eyes, you'll recognize what the truth is in front of you. Some things is just common sense. How many of you know that? Some of things has to be godly sense. I believe that most of the things in our lives are just things that we lack common sense in. I mean, I'm speaking for myself, okay? We just lack common sense in. Because we're, we're hard-headed. We want what's good, you know, we want to please ourselves. So, so some things it's just like, it's common sense. And we're like, ah, oh, I'm just not going to do it. And, and, and so I get the eye situation. Some things, it's just right in front of us. And listen, I'm telling you, your eyes will catch it. But in some things, in other things, we need to use discernment. I understand that as well. And we need to use discernment with our spiritual eyes. Peter, in this passage, I'll give you the, the, the reference again. It's in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. Peter, in this passage, he warns us to be watchful. And he warns us to be sober-minded. And I love this because he's telling us to have a pure mind. He's telling us to have, what does this mean, pure or sober mind? A sober mind means a pure mind, an uncluttered mind. Think about what he's saying, a sober mind. Maybe you should say it, a sober mind. Did you catch the word there? It does not mean to have a drunken mind. Not a drunken mind, but a sober mind. Not drunken in the world, but sober, sober-minded. Not just, not just everything from the, it's a sober, it's a mind that is set on the things of God. It's one who is watchful. I wrote this down, that the spiritual man is aware of the common foe, and we watch, we watch, and we watch, and we know we have a common foe, and as we watch, and as we watch, what do we do? We're ready and we're prepared to, conf to conf uh, confront the schemes of the enemy. When we're not prepared, could it be it's because we weren't watchful? 
when he catches us off guard, if you ever study the scripture all the way from Genesis to the end, if you do an in-depth study of Satan, Satan is not an originator. He's a copycat. Satan is not a creator. He's a created being. Satan, enemies, demons, whoever you want, even people, they are not able to create outside of the one who has created all things. So what I'm trying to tell you is if you study him purely in scripture, you'll recognize that he does the same things over and over. Let's not talk about the man with the pitchfork and the horns in his head and the long tail, okay? I'm talking about even people that are demonic, people with evil schemes. They do the same thing. You'll read it. You'll see it. You'll see the pattern over and over and over and over in the same people that have evil in their heart. Why? Because they can't originate a new scheme. Why? Because they're not originators. There is one who is original. There is one who is created and creates so maybe a lot, of the, a lot of the issues when we are attacked, it's because we're, and we don't confront his schemes and we're not prepared to confront, is because we're not ready, we're not watching, we don't have a sober mind. And what I mean by this, it's one whose eyes are open and mind is kept sober and that person will never be caught off guard. Amen? Eyes that are open, mind that is sober, will never be caught off guard. Why? Because nothing's infiltrated here. Nothing's infiltrated here that's speaking something different to us. I, I need to keep this thing sober. I need to keep this thing pure so that I could, so I could see when it's coming. The Proverbs 31 talks about the woman, the virtuous woman. Have you guys ever read Proverbs 31? It says she what? She peers. She looks intensely into the distance. You know what the virtuous woman is? She's a watcher. You know what she has? Eyes, eyes that are watchful, a mind that is sober. And she's watching. She's watching. Why? Because when the enemy comes, she wakes up the husband and says, hey, he's here. Take the gun. <laughs> Shouldn't have said that. I got carried away. You know what I mean? I mean like the ammo, the word of God. You know, all right, here we go. Psalm 119. So let's go back to the word. You know, when you go off, get back to scripture. Scripture does good. Here you go. Psalm 119 verse 37 says, turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. The psalmist says to turn away my eyes. What does that sound like? A horse that went wild. It's the horse whose who's, 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 um, blinders came off. And, and the psalmist has said, turn my eyes away from worthless things. Did you catch the word worthless there? How many of you came in here and said, that was for me, pastor, when you began to say to give me worth again and you feel worthlessness, could it be that the form of worthlessness that you feel in your life, it's because of the condition of your eye. So watch this. I'm going to begin by telling you, God wants to give you worth again, but he wants to heal the eye. Because the eye is the mirror and the window to the soul. Mm. The eyes he's giving you, what do you do with them? Write that down, man. He trained them. Train your eyes. Hey, can I ask you a question? If you, if you can train your muscles, how dare you not train your eyes? If you could train your mind, how dare you not train your eyes? But it looked good. You better put those eyes back. Look straight. 
But, you know, we could enjoy God's creation. Sure. Uh, your eyes, he's given you. Train them. What else, what else can you do in training them? Guard them. Mature them. The eye, according to Jewish literature, is similar to when they write about the heart. I want to make sure I, I say that as I get into deeper stuff here. You know, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul. It would have been awesome if in that same passage you said, and all of your eyes. But it would have been the same thing as heart. Because the eyes in the Jewish writing and the Jewish literature as the Jews are the ones that wrote this book, amen? It meant something very specific. The eyes was something that was clear and it was to write about the heart, the innermost part of that individual. The meaning of the Greek word for eye, I love this. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to pronounce the word for you, but I will tell you what it means. It, it deals not with the physical eyes, but it's a metaphor. And it's used to describe the eye of the mind, the faculty of knowing. In Proverbs 29, 18, you've ever read that scripture before? It describes a person that has no vision or poor vision. It's a scripture that is constantly quoted and const constantly um, spoken. And it describes a person with poor vision, Proverbs 29, 18. And it says that the one who does not use his eyes correctly but foolishly, the one who has no vision, whoever does not use his eyes correctly, whoever does not use his eyes wisely but foolishly, it says where there is no revelation, no divine guidance, reading from different translations, where there is no prophetic vision, wherever you can't see what God is doing, then there's a clause, ready? Here it is. Then that individual, they cast off restraint, it says in Proverbs 29, 18. It says here, ready? Remember the horse. Get the picture of the horse in your mind. Ready? Where there is no revelation, where there is no divine guidance, where there is no prophetic vision, those who can't see what God is doing, right? Proverbs 29, 18. Not only do they cast off restraints, but listen to this. They run wild. They stumble all over the place. You've ever met someone that is a believer, but their lives are disorderly? Their eyes are wild. They got, you know what I'm saying? They got wild eyes. <laughs> Which how do I look at? They got wild eyes. They're not looking properly. But I'm a Christian, but you're disorderly, and God is a God of order. What happens is, this is what Proverbs 29, 18 is telling us. Ready? The one who, who does not use his eyes right, but foolishly, right, where there's no revelation, divine guidance, no prophetic vision, those who can't see what God is doing, they cast off restraint, they run wild. Listen to this. They stumble all over themselves. What is that? They're constantly what? Falling, 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 falling. Listen, I get it. We all fall, man. We all struggle, but it's the constant one who is falling and falling and falling and falling and falling and falling. It's the spiral that your life is a continual falling when in reality is where's the Christ that picks you up it's the individual that's stumbling all over themselves and the one that we all know is they perish and maybe you won't die right now right off the bat physically but there begins to become an internal perishing of the soul that you begin to die spiritually Proverbs 29 18 is a very very powerful verse when you read it in its proper context so there is no revelation, no guidance, no prophetic vision. Those who can't see what God is doing, they cast off restraint, they run wild, they stumble all over themselves, and they perish. I hope that some of you are being encouraged, and at the same time, some of you are being corrected and confronted and rebuked by the word of God, all to love you and correct you, all right? And to make you straight in these areas. Shakespeare wrote what? The eyes are the mirror of the soul. But it wasn't in Shakespeare's brilliancy. Where this was birthed or came to its origin. 
Shakespeare was born in 1564 in the United Kingdom. And he will not be credited for this phrase. Because there was a man over 2,000 years ago born in Bethlehem. And he said these words. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. Shakespeare knew the word. Shakespeare helped translate the word into the King James Version. So Shakespeare probably was familiar with the wordage of Scripture. But Jesus says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, listen to this, guys. I'm talking to your eye. Let me see your eyes here for a moment. I'm talking about this. When your eye is healthy, guess what else is healthy? Your whole body is healthy. You know what your whole body is? Your mind, your soul, your heart. Your whole being is healthy. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is healthy and it's filled with light. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye, verse 23, is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light that you think you have is actually darkness, well, how deep is that darkness? One translation says, how great is that darkness? How great is that night? So I believe that Jesus is saying this because he's talking about the vision. Listen, the vision of the inner man. That which the innermost parts gives eye to you. Come on, can I talk a little bit deeper today? I believe Jesus is speaking to the innermost part of your man. That which the innermost part of your being gives eye to. You know what I'm talking about. The one that, the thing, the, the, the thing you wouldn't even dare to say to the person that you're sitting next to. The one that you're driving long hours with in the car, you wouldn't even dare to say that publicly out loud. I'm talking about what are some of those things that are in the inside of you? What do they say? And I believe when Jesus says if your eye, it's like a lamp that provides light for your body. And whenever your eye is healthy, the whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, the body isn't unhealthy. It's filled with darkness. I believe he's talking about that. It's that instrument. It, it is the instrument. And if this instrument that is inside, that it's, remember what we just read in Proverbs 29? That if the instrument that gives what? Revelation. The instrument that gives what? Proverbs 29, 18. That gives godly, divine guidance. The instrument that gives prophetic vision. And, and the instrument that sees what God is doing. If it is good, if it is healthy, then the whole body is filled with good. It's filled with light. That's the instrument that is to do those things and see what God sees. But if the eye, Jesus is saying, is unhealthy, and I'm grabbing Matthew chapter 6 with Proverbs 29, and I'm uniting them together. If the eye is unhealthy, if the eye is bad, then the whole body is bad. And how do we know it's bad? Because it is filled not with light. It's filled with what? And wherever there is darkness, what cannot be found? <laughs> so when the eye's bad, there is darkness in that individual. It's a darkness that Proverbs 29, 18 describes as well. What is darkness that Jesus is talking about in Matthew? I believe that it's the darkness that Proverbs 29 is telling us about. It is the darkness that means what? It describes as being cast restraint. It's, it's described as perishing. It is a darkness that's described as what? Running wild. It is a darkness that means stumbling all over the place. I don't believe that God intends for any of us to live wild, stumbling all over the place, or to even perish. I believe God's called you to live straight, to live in order and that you would stand upright, man, and that you would live and not perish. Am I with anyone here? I believe that's what scripture teaches. So I believe that when Jesus is saying this, he's, he's coinciding, he's paralleling, he's, he's bringing to remembrance Proverbs 29, 18. 
An eye that runs deep into the internal man. That gives sight, listen, and reveals the condition of your soul. That reveals the condition of the spirit of the man. You look at someone in the eyes and you recognize there's something going on. You look them in the eyes and you recognize there's something going on. In Proverbs chapter 20, 27, it says this. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. And it's searching the inmost parts. What a powerful scripture that is because it's an eye that runs deep into the internal man. And what does it do? It gives sight and it reveals the condition of the spirit of that man. And then Proverbs kind of unites this with, hey, the spirit of the man, it's a lamp and it's a lamp of the Lord and it's searching the innermost part. So what? what? I started reading this. I'm like, what are you saying, God? And I believe this. Ready? So because the eye provides light, the spirit becomes alive and the Lord becomes now the lamp in the spirit of the man. Why would Jesus be saying these things? Does anyone know why Jesus is saying Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 and 23? Because you have to look at the contextual flow of what's happening in this passage. Jesus didn't just take this out of his pocket and say, hey, check this out, y'all. I got a good thing here. I just popped up in my head. Ready? If the eye's good, the body's good. If the eye's bad, the, bad, the body's bad. If the eye's good, you got light. If the eye's bad, you got bad light. You got no light. You got darkness. All right? Is that good? Yeah. Good. Let's go feed, fight, thought. No, that's not what he's doing. I believe when Jesus says... Chapter 6, 22 and 23, though he's spoken not in chapters and verses, he's spoken in conversation and teaching. It was a flow from what he was saying before that. So what I did was I gave you the good part. But I believe, no, I don't say the good part. I gave you the end part. But I believe that verses 22 and 23, these verses are an ongoing explanation and consequences from a prior thought that Jesus already gave. And it was aimed to the ones, listen, whose eyes, whose eyes is set to this world, drunken mind and lost eyes, whose vision is constructed and patterned or influenced by how others see. Do you know, do you know that there are some people that only see in the ways that others will see and they, they, they hold on to that person for their sight because they have no sight in them? As long as you're seen, brother, I'm just going to stay next to you because you're my eyes. That person was never called to be your eyes. They have their own eyes. And they got to be their own eyes for their own soul and for their own spirit. Yeah, you get connected with people that have the same vision as you. So that way you're not thrown off. But, but at the end of the day, you better get a vision for yourself. You can't live under someone else's vision. You can't live under someone else's vision. You can't live under someone else's anointing. You can't live under someone else's car. You need to have your own vision going forward for your own life. If not, you're going to be frustrated your whole life. You're going to be a copycat your whole life. You're just going to replicate what that other person is always doing. And you're never going to find your true identity in who Christ is calling you to be. Because then the spirit of Christ does not become alive in you. I just want the spirit of Christ that's alive in him. But the spirit of Christ alive in him may look different in the spirit of Christ alive in you. That person might be a missionary sent to the, to, the, to the eastern part of the world. And you might be a, a missionary to the depths of Hialeah. And that's just as bad as the eastern part of the world in some places, Hialeah. Amen? <laughs> I love Hialeah. Man, I got to stop bashing Hialeah. I love Hialeah. Hialeah is good. We got to start declaring it, right? The land of the Lord is Hialeah with frijoles. And... God, now, so you tell me that God's not involved in this. We got to start claiming Stop speaking bad about Hialeah. We're going to make shirts here that says, we are Hialeah, and start winning the city. Amen. 
Come on, Miami Lakes. Come on, Hylia Gardens. Come on. <laughs> Depends what mood you're in. You'll say what city you, we, our church is in. All right, here we go. Having fun. I believe that. I believe Matthew 6, 22 and 23. It's an ongoing thing. It's the one whose eyes, I'll say it again, is set on this world. Vision is constructed or patterned or influenced by how others see. How do I know it? Can I tell you exactly what he says before he says 22 and 23? Check out this flow here. He says this. Do not lay up for yourselves, verse 19, treasures on earth. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But what does he say? But lay for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will also be. And then what is the next thing he says? And your eye is like a lamp. That provides light for the body. And when you're, why? Because what I'm ending with has everything to do with what I started with. I thought about this, Isaiah 5.21. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. And prudent in their own sight. Hmm. Matthew 6. All I can say is hmm. Because if he says, for where your treasure is. There your heart will also be. He could also be saying, for where your treasure is, there your eyes will also be. Because high eyes and heart to the Jewish writer is focusing on the same thing. It's the internal, the depth of the man. Where your treasure is, your eyes will be looking at it. Let me see your eyes. Because if I look deeply into your eyes... I'll see what's the treasure in your heart. Because the eyes are the lamp to the soul. The lamp to the body. So you could say a lot, but you can't fool. Look into the eyes. Hey, let me see your eyes. Let me see your eyes. Because if the eyes are windows to the soul, then I started to think about this then. If the eyes are the windows to your soul and we were to look at each other's eyes, will I see see the kingdom alive in your soul? When you look at each other's eyes, can I be very serious here? When you look at each other's eyes, I hope you see the kingdom of God. And what does the kingdom of God, how does it operate? Go back and study every single word that Jesus says when he says the kingdom of God is like. And you look at yourself and say, do I look like that? The kingdom of heaven is like. If the eyes are the windows to the soul, let me see your eyes. Will I see the kingdom alive in your soul? Okay, here's the question. What are your eyes watching? What are you being watchful of? So we could wait a minute here and we could pause on this for a moment. And I say this. If the eyes are the mirror, if the eyes are the windows of the soul, then how powerful is this statement next? Let's take a moment and let's gaze into the eyes of God. Let's look into God's eyes. Because if the eyes reveal the innermost part of the person that we're looking at, if we gaze into the eyes of God, it's going to reveal the innermost part of his heart. So what's in God's eyes? Well, let's go to scripture and let's look into his eyes. And let's stare into his eyes. 
I believe that as we begin to stare into the eyes of God, I believe you'll be surprised and in awe by what you'll find that's deep inside of him. What do you think you're going to find when you look into God's eyes? Holiness? Goodness? Worth? Love? What are you going to look, what do you, you think you're going to see when you look into God's eyes? All right. I'm going to give you some scripture and then um, worship team could start coming up. Because I think we're going to end with this right here. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, King Asa, if you've ever studied his life and his reign, something was told to King Asa. And specifically, something was told to him because King Asa, in this point of his life, was warned. And King Asa was to trust in the Lord. And in the moment of his life, especially in warfare, he was to put his trust in the Lord, but instead, he put his trust in man. So he was warned, and he put his trust in man rather than the Lord. And, and in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, 19, there, there's, a, there's a powerful statement here. And it says this. I don't know if you've ever read this verse. It's, it's quoted a lot. It says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Ever read that? The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. And why do the eyes of the Lord run to and from? It says, to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. And in this you have done foolishly, King Asa. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. What did the prophet tell King Asa here? Can you, can you just imagine this for a moment? Asa was a king of a powerful nation, powerful people. He was a powerful man. The prophet comes up to him, and the prophet says, Hey, I have a word from the Lord for you today. And the Lord wanted me to tell you that his eyes have been looking to the east, to the west, to the north, and to the south. His eyes have been upon the earth. <laughs> like, let that humble us for a moment. Let's sit on that for a second and recognize that the eyes of Yahweh run to and fro throughout the whole earth. There is nothing that is outside of his sight. There is nothing that is clothed to hide from God. Everything in the eyes of God is seen. Though man is trying to hide, when God looks at it, it is revealed. Whenever, whenever, why, why, why does God reveal everything that is hidden? Because scripture says that light exposes. So when light shines, it exposes that which it looks upon. <laughs> it just does a nice, a nice little exposition tour throughout the land. And throughout the land, I'm just going to expose people for a little while. And as I expose, hopefully it draws man to me. It says that his eyes ran to and fro. Not on part of it, not on a section of it, but it says throughout the whole entire earth. And he did it for a reason. He wanted to show himself strong, but not in himself and for himself. He wanted to show himself strong on behalf of the individuals whose heart is towards him. Come here, I really want you to peek in and look into the eyes of God because I want you to see what you're going to see deep down inside his gut, deep down inside his being. What's the, what's the thing that causes him to tick? 
What's the thing that causes him to be alive? What's the thing that, that he desires and longs for, man? And, 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 and I think Second Chronicles shows us something. His eyes are searching the whole earth. And it's in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Look at his eyes. Have you got it yet? What did you find? We're going to go like into like seven other passages. But what you found is you. Whenever you look into the eyes of God, what you see is a sparkle and it's your picture. It's your image in it. It's mind-blowing that when I read about the eyes of God, it always reveals his heart towards me. And it's not about like his love and his goodness and his strength. All those things are in it. But it's geared towards humanity. I want them to see that my eyes are on them and I want to be their strength. I want to be their love. I want to be their encouragement. I mean, this is crazy. Now, when I look at the eyes of God, what I see is me. And I'm like, why do I see me in his soul? Why do I see me deep in his God? Look at his eyes and I find me. I don't get this. So my daughter Jade, love her so much, man. She looks at me and she says, let me see your eyes. Dad, let me see your eyes, Dad. And I pray that she sees for herself that my concern is on her. That I'll strengthen when she's weak and I'll pray when she's walking away from me to go into her classroom. I hope she sees that though we can be separated like any true parent, she can never be apart from me. That though she walks away, I continue to carry her in my heart deep in who I am. Jade could say bye, Dad, and go sit in her little cute class. But what she doesn't know is that as she says bye to me, she never says bye to me. She constantly is alive in me because she's my daughter. He's my son. And they're always alive inside of me. If you look in my eyes, you'll, if you have a conversation with me, people are like, how come you always talk about your son and daughter when we hang out? Because it's in me. It's part of who I am. If you look in my eyes, you'll see Jackson. If you look in my eyes, you'll see Jade. And if you look at the father's eyes, you'll see his sons and you'll see his daughters. Because the father's eyes are on his children. And that's why he wants us to deepen this thing called childlike wonder. Oh, for the kingdom of heaven is like them, like the little ones. The kingdom of heaven is filled with little ones. It's filled with children. I don't, I don't know what that means. We can have a theological debate of what that means. But I do believe that a big part of what that means is that everyone in the kingdom has the heart of a child, the eyes of a child, the depth of a, of a child, the wonder of a child. And that they, don't, they go deeper into that. So that he, like I am for my young daughter today, I'm watching over her. My eyes are on her. And his eyes are watching over me. And his eyes are on me. And in the eyes of the father, in the eyes of the father, there is what? Come on, we just read it in Proverbs 29, 18. In the eyes of the father, as he looks upon me, there is vision. In the eyes of the father, as he looks upon me, there is revelation. On the eyes of the father, there is divine guidance. In the eyes of the Father, there is prophetic vision. So that what? So that now I will not stumble and all over myself and I will not run wild or perish foolishly. So now watch this. The eyes of the Father, the eyes of the Father are upon my child. You want to know why? 
The eyes of the father are on my child. And I don't want, I want my son and I want my daughter to be 30, but I wish they could stay in childlike wonder. And that's what the Lord doesn't want us to lose. Lord, father, I'm 40 years old already. I could do, no, don't lose the childlike wonder. Because what's the beautiful thing about the child is that, watch this, I become their vision. My son and my daughter can't just necessarily make decisions for themselves yet. It'll get them in a lot of trouble because they would not eat meat and they would not eat the right kind of meat and the right kinds of foods. All they want to eat is candy if they had to make the decision. But sometimes the eyes of the fathers, the eyes of the parents, right, have to be upon their children and say, no, I need to make the decision for you. And I can't lose the childlike wonder because sometimes my flesh says, no, Lord, all I want is this again and, and this again. He says, no, this is the nutrient that you need. This is where you got to walk into. The eyes of the father are on the children. And I become my daughter's vision now. If you let go of my daughter, she'll run right into the street and get crushed by a car. But she has a father that says, you stop there. And what do I do? Out of love, out of love, my squeeze gets stronger. It's not because I hate, but it's because I love that my squeeze gets stronger. If I didn't love you, I would let you what? Run wild. And in running wild, you'll perish. But because I love you, I hold you tight. My eyes are on you. So that what? So that you won't stumble and run wild. I become her revelation. There's a moment. I become the revelation. There's going to be a moment where my son comes home and says, this was said today in school. What does it mean? I could do two things. Number one, brush it under the rug and say, ah, let's not talk about that as a family. No, no. Or number two, give him the revelation of God. Because he and you'll be amazed. Sometimes they get it before the parents. But, but, but he needs father and mother. She needs father and mother to be the revelation of God in their eyes. The greatest counselor of your child is not its teacher. The greatest teacher to your child, it's not their teacher. The greatest counselor, the greatest teacher, the greatest pastor, the greatest leader in your child's life is father. And mother, you are their vision. You are the prophetic voice. When they're just in wonder, if my dad said it, it's got to be true. Dad, are there aliens? Oh, not only are there aliens. I believe there's aliens. And they're in this spiritual realm. The Bible says sometimes we entertain some of these aliens called angels. And sometimes some of these demonic ones come and try to entertain us. There's aliens, son. They might not look green and they might not have little antennas and drive little zippity gadgets and all that. But there's aliens in the spiritual realm. I become the prophetic voice. Let me see your eyes. Let me see your eyes. And I hope that what my daughter sees is, wow, my father finds so much worth in me. My daughter sees my eyes and will say, wow, my father 
has so much love for me. Dad, let me see your eyes. I hope that Jade, one day she walks down the aisle. And I hope I marry her. I officiate the wedding. And I hope that as I stand before her and her husband, I can stare at her. And that she would recognize. Though you're going with him, look at my eyes. You'll always stay in me. I'll always be your father. Some of us, we struggle with that because of your relationship with that, your relationship with father. God wants to heal that. I'm sorry that your father defected your heart to understand the father's heart. But how many of you know that he could heal that right now? And he could pierce you, your soul with his eyes and show you how much you mean to him. All right. There's so much I want to say here, but Zechariah chapter 2, verse 8. Let's just put them up as I read them. Doing a good job, Jose. Thank you, brother. It says, for thus says the Lord of hosts, he sent me after glory to the nations which plunder you. He's talking to a specific people here, to the apple of his eye. He's talking about Israel. But look what he says. For he who touches you, you touch God's people, touches the apple of my eye. Let's keep going. It's all over scripture. I just grabbed a few of them. Psalm 17, 8 says, keep me, talking to the Lord, as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings, the apple of his eye. Keep going. Psalms 32, 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. I will be your revelation. I will be your counselor. I will be your direction. I will be the one that doesn't cause you to stumble. That doesn't cause you to perish. I will guide you with my eyes. I will guide you with my eye. ESV says, I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Wow, man. He says, do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding. Remember that? Which must be harnessed with bit and brittle. Else they will not come near you. Psalm 33, 18 says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy. And I'm going to ask you to stand with me here for a moment. I want you to really just, man, just look deep down inside and search within. I believe we opened up today in worship. And we said things like, worthy, he is worthy. We said, he is worthy. And we sang it over and over. And I believe that today, there's two things that we've learned. Number one, I got to focus on my eyes. I got to guard and train up and mature my eye. I got to grow it because it's the window, it's the lamp to my body, the lamp to my soul. So I got to make sure I'm healthy so that there will be light in my, in my body. I got to make sure that it's wise so that there would be much light. 
I can't allow my eyes to go bad because then my life goes bad. My body becomes bad. There's darkness inside of me. So Lord, keep my eyes right. Let me be watchful. Lord, as you look at me and say, let me see your eyes, that as I look into your eyes, you would see that your son, your daughter, Lord, they're watchful. They're, they long to do Father's will. They long to make you happy. They are the light of Christ into this world. As you, as you look into our eyes, you see us displaying your light into this world. And Lord, the second thing that we could just pause on today is that you call every single one of us to stop here. And as we are aligning our eyes right, it begins to, by looking at your eyes. That if I ever want to have my eyes right, it begins by looking into your eyes. And when I start to look into your eyes, I see that I'm the apple of your eye. That you hold me in your hand. That you love me. And because I'm the sparkle of your eye, oh Lord, then you give me great worth in your presence today. Let me see your eyes. Whenever my daughter will tell me that now, Lord, it will always mean something different. It would be a reminder. Whenever I'm in conversation with someone, the eyes would mean something different forever from here on out. Whenever I'm in prayer and in worship, the eyes are going to mean something so different. Come on, I want every single one of you to examine yourself. How are your eyes? Because they're the mirror. They reflect what's in your soul. How many of you need to just surrender into the gaze of the Father's eyes? Come on. How many of you need to surrender into the eyes of your God? The eyes of Yahweh right now. This is what I want to do. If that's you, if it's one person, then amen. If you're the one person that is bold enough, I want to pray with you. And we're going to sing a song real quick before we close off in prayer. But if you need to come up to this front and say, can you pray for me? And I, I, just wanna, I just wanna gaze into the eyes of the Father so that my eyes would never be the same again. So that light would shine. I'm gonna open up this front and say, come and receive prayer. We're gonna, we're gonna just come alongside you really and encourage you with words. But there's nothing that we can do that God himself will not do here today. As you come up here, let his eyes burn over you love over you, give worth over you. If you're hurt because of past fathers and what they have done, let the eyes of the loving Father win you today, heal you today. Come on, you're the apple of his eye. When you stare at him deep inside, you find yourself loves you. So the front is open. You're open to come up here. Let's sing a song. Let's come before his presence. Hallelujah.